da 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 da. All right, let's go. We gotta give. We gotta I get the, the final old, word from producer I Kelly. I was gonna say this, but I really miss the old debrief song. Didn't, didn't. That's true. We how, appreciate you saying that. How, what it, what needs to happen to get that back? Didn't, didn't, didn't. That's what. And now it's now it's got a little more energy. It's I know. I like more. the energy. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to The Debrief, a weekly podcast from your friends here at Pastor Matt Brown Sandals Church. That's not the right way to say the order of yeah. those two things, but that's You that's okay. slaughter the opening to this show in a new every way week. every week. It's, it's something It's something for the people. We do it. Hey, I am your friendly pal, the PRD, Justin Party, hosting alongside Pastor Matt, who's going to bring some real truth. We got some wonderful guests, of course, your lovely wife, Mrs. Tammy Brown. Hey, yes. everybody. Welcome back to the show. And Pastor Andrew Bogan-Wright. What's up? Right. The most solid jaw at Would Sandals Church. Would you call me earlier? Mm, thank you. Tea. Oh, tea breezy, tea breezy. I, like, I am anything but breezy. <laughs> no, I'm going. I'm no worse. That's more of a prophecy. It's a it's a God's call on your life, Pastor Andrew. Last time you were here on the show, you were alongside uh, Mrs. Tammy Brown. It's kind of our thing yeah. now. Reunion. Yeah, you guys. Are, you guys are pals. Hey, so we are continuing our series called "You," working through the Enneagram, and today we are talking about the style of six, the loyalist. And Tammy, this is your primary style. So mm-hmm. normally we ask Pastor Matt to share a few things that's important to know about the six. Today we're going to ask that you would. Yeah. Give us um, that intro. I, my primary style is a six. I actually test like 99.9 a six. So I'm, there's a lot of six in me for sure. The six, the loyal person at their best, they're beautiful is um, they can be prepared, strategic. We're motivated by staying safe and avoided avoiding risk. So when we're healthy, we can assess risk really well and be prepared. Mm. I actually came up with a little phrase that without knowing it, and I, I was honestly saying this in a sentence to somebody, don't be scared, be prepared. (laughs) It's just just the way I think. But when we're broken, we're just afraid of everything. We're all going to die all the times. The risk looks like seven steps to how we're going to die. The sky is falling. (laughs) So yeah, that's that's the sixth kind of in a... In a nutshell, we, we're very strategic, planning, prepared, or we're just scared. I just got an update from producer Kelly. He's asked that we not say that phrase anymore on the show so we don't have to pay royalties to the Boy Scouts of, of America. Don't they it's, say be prepared? Yeah, but they don't say <laughs> instead of being scared, be prepared. They don't say oh. that. And, and, <laughs> they so are, no, and, and they are no longer the Boy Scouts. Oh, they're, they're just the, scouts. So, yeah, the yeah, scouts. So scouts yeah, of America. Okay, yeah. Welcome to our world. I, I didn't get to be a part awesome. of them. Yep, yeah. we're, I can we're go sorry. back now and <laughs> yeah, be a part of them, but I couldn't then. Oh, that uh, that is awesome. Pastor Andrew, (laughs) can you talk to us about, you have identified as a six and what does that look like for you in your life? Yeah. So it's definitely my primary motivator and it's been interesting to discover more about how I've always been. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was sharing with some uh, people yesterday that I came to Christ when I was four years old Mm -hmm. and I never thought about it until I did the Enneagram that my primary motivator at four was probably fear. Mm -hmm. I probably heard somewhere that you don't get to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell or something. Um, if you don't accept Jesus. And so I made that decision at a young age. It wasn't because you were stealing crayons, punching girls. What, no. what, what kind of sin is See, a four-year-old? I, I was too afraid to do uh, bad things. Yeah, um, I like, didn't want to get caught. Were you binging on glue? <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> I, I, I... Paste. Possibly, sorry. yeah. Paste. Beating my little brother. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's always been there for me. My mom was a warrior and it was just ingrained in me. And so that it's really easy to recognize the sinful side of it. But what I also notice is just 
I've been loyal to people all throughout my life. Mm -hmm. uh, two of my best friends I became friends with when I was five years old. We met at the bus stop uh, for kindergarten, first day of kindergarten. We're still friends mm. 33 years later. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, that's just, yeah, ingrained in who I am as a person. And mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, there's both the beauty and the brokenness, as we've talked about often, um, that I see there. That's interesting. I've not connected that. My wife, Lindy, she's a, a type six for sure. Like, that is her number one thing. And her best friend, they've been best friends since they were like three years old. And now they're grown moms and still are besties. So, yeah, that's cool. When you talk about fear as being kind of a primary motivator, how does that kind of play out in your life? Like, what does that look like on a day to day basis in terms of you're not a kindergartner anymore, afraid of going to hell? Yeah. Go ahead. Um, uh, for me, it's my inner dialogue. Um, I'm not a. Uh, like afraid of things. Like I don't feel like I'm a chicken. I'm not afraid to jump off a cliff <laughs> <laughs> into water. I'm not afraid I'm getting a car accident or plane uh, crash or anything like that. It's the fear of messing up a relationship, fear of saying something wrong, fear mm -hmm. of uh, what I might do, the damage I might do in a relationship uh, mm -hmm. because of something I, I mess up on. So I have this underlying fear of making sure to get it right and um, not ruffle too many feathers, those kind of things. So um, I have to push that fear down often. Um, I have to, yeah. Yeah, Tammy it. has that too. Every time she speaks publicly, she's always like, "I'm afraid I'm going to ruin the church." I'm like, mm, "No, you're not. You just we'll, we'll just <laughs> yeah. we'll take it off the internet. It's fine." Right. <laughs> I've had to. Um, what that looks like for me is I do fixate and obsess on everything that might go wrong. Mm. And so as I've been working towards um, health, you know, the healthy part of this. That's the, I'm forcing myself to assess what could go right mm -hmm. instead of always what could go wrong. Um, the other thing for me is I am afraid of everything, like jumping into water, whether it's from a cliff of 20 feet or two feet. I hate it all the same. Like it's all the same, which has mm. been interesting because Matt's favorite thing to do is go places and find cliffs to jump into water. So that's been kind of a tension for us. Um, good tension to have. If that's water one is of our a worst. soft uh, pad to land on. There's sharks in there. Yeah. It's all yeah, going to sure. go wrong. I'm going to hit the rocks on the way down. But yeah, you can't see no. what's underneath there. I'm with you. That's stupid. <laughs> in my mind, I really do. I mean, I foresee things that, potential things that could go wrong. And when, I, when I'm in a good space, that's beneficial to our family because I'm like, okay, we're going here. Here's the 10 things we need to get there that we're going to need while we're there. And then I'll throw in a couple things. Well, in case it rains, we've got the mini travel umbrella. <laughs> and in have case you? I car sick, I have the the nausea bands at all times. And um, Matt doesn't have any of that mm, kind of yeah. assessing. Thank God she doesn't drive around without he, a shirt. Matt, <laughs> Matt, Matt doesn't have what if. The six has what if all the time. Right. What if this happens or this happens or this happens. That remind it's reminding me of in those new Sherlock Holmes movies with Robert Downey Jr. where yeah. he like pauses everything and he kind of like freezes the mo freezes the world. That seems like a sixth thing. The oh, yeah. Except figure it out. in his battles, he always wins. In Tammy's and Andrew's, they lose. I'm they die. lying, in, in dead, mind. bloody <laughs> on the ground. But that's funny. That's such a difference between us because I I am afraid of me messing up, but I'm not afraid of engaging in like relational stuff. For me, it's it's car accidents, running out of gas late at night, uh, the roller coaster at the fair coming off the tracks because the guy didn't put it together. <laughs> like I just, I work through hmm. all of that, the things like that to go wrong. The what if. So how, what is, the, I mean, we've talked about some of the unhealthy things or maybe what's going on in your inner dialogue or, or whatever, but what does it look like for you to like say, I, I identify as a style six and this is how it is beautiful. This is how it's helpful and healthy in my life. What does that look like for you guys? Yeah, I can go first because I know them both very well. <laughs> so it. Th they're both very, very loyal. You know, um, 
uh, I, I can't remember when this was. I think we celebrated your 10-year anniversary at Sentinel Church. And one of the things mm-hmm. I, I said about Andrew and Becca, um, and I don't know that she's a six, but- It's her second highest. Okay, it's her second highest, mm-hmm. is I've never had to worry about them going wayward or getting weird on me. And so, you know, staff, you, you know, you empower staff, you give people authority, power, prestige, and, and a lot of people, it goes to their head. They think, you know, we've had people like, oh, you know, I've, I'm going to plant my own church. I'm going to go here. I'm going to do that. Andrew and Beck have never done that. They've been loyal to me. Um, uh, they've been steady. They've been true. And I can't tell you how important that has been in my life is I don't have to have a category uh, for what if about, about Andrew because he's solid. He's steady. You know, we referred to Andrew uh, as kind of the ox of Sandals Church. He can carry a lot. And it's uh, not just about his fitness. Yeah, well, he's very, very buff. But, <laughs> but he, he literally is stable. And so I think that's when a six is super healthy. They are stable. That's one of the qualities that we need. And we all need more stability to, in our life. And a healthy six will provide that. The same is true as for Tammy. You know, as Tammy, uh, you know, has been very, very stable for me. I would not call her an ox, but um, <laughs> she, she's been Thank very, you. very stable. She's reliable. She's true. Um, you know, she, she's someone that you can count on. And so I've never had to worry about her being gone or absent. And so she's very, very present, very, very here. And so I think for both of them, um, it's been a blessing. Now I will say this, when Andrew and Tammy took the uh, Enneagram, I was surprised that both of them were sixes. Hmm. I, and it's because I think, um, you know, I thought Tammy was a two and I probably would have thought Andrew mm-hmm. was a two. So I think Andrew has done a good job at minimizing how he expresses his fear when he's around me. So maybe he reserved that for Becca or someone else or his best friend since fourth grade. I don't know, or uh, four years old. So, but I never knew. I never knew that. And this is why I think it's so important to take this test because it's helped me when I ask Andrew and Becca to do things. I need to remember. Okay, they're going to be afraid. What's the worst case scenario? What could go wrong? And so I need to give them some room to process that mm-hmm. because I don't have that. You know, I, God's right. I, I I operate according to literally my heart. Here, here's where I see. Here's where I feel like God is doing. And I need you to do this and respond quickly because I'm a three. So I have to give Andrew and Becca time to process their fears. And what I've discovered over time is they come to the right conclusion. It takes them a little longer to process and work through the what ifs than it does me. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I've had those on the front end. So so you know with them and so with Tammy, I've also had to learn to say, okay, here's what I'm thinking. And I put it out there rather than here's what we're doing because she's always, you know, the, oh my gosh, you know, what's going to happen? Good, I'm going to, I'm dinging that so I can come back and listen to that with Lindy. Okay. Which is here's what? what I'm thinking versus here's what we're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really because, good. Because doing instantly stirs fear. So mm-hmm. rather, th- thoughts don't. Okay, here, here's what I'm thinking. And I literally have to say, it's not a decision. I'm just thinking out loud. I'm, I'm wondering if this would be a possibility. And it, it instantly lowers her fears. Um, you know, so we're, we're, we're getting ready to, uh, do a campaign in the fall. Uh, we're buying a couple pieces of property. We're going to be expanding uh, some of our campuses uh, and doing some things to handle the growth. And so I said, I said, here's just a thought. Here's how much money I'm thinking about, you know, giving to that campaign. Because I know her first thought is, oh my gosh, we're going to lose the house, the cars, the kids can't go to school. <laughs> like we're going to die. We're going to be broken. There won't be any money in the bank. And so I have to just like kind of put that out there so she has time because she loves God. She, you know, she's been a faithful tither to our church. She loves being generous, but. You know, I need to allow her time to come alongside and, and say, okay, we're going to give that. We're going to do that. Um, and it's been really, really helpful because, you know, it's a three, right? I'm like, here we're going. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's this or nothing else. And that's very, very scary for the six. And so I have to give them time to come alongside. Um, one of the things when Matt and I went to our coaching, when we first really um, 
kind of re-got introduced to the Enneagram is they likened us to, so Matt's primary style is a three, and they said, Matt, you're the helium bloom. And on your own, you're going to float out into the atmosphere to do amazing things. Um, but once you're out there, you're lost and gone from people. And so they said, Tammy, you're the weight tied to the end of that string, which at first I was like, I'm keeping him down. I'm holding him back. <laughs> but um, what they said is, no, you're an anchor. Mm-hmm. You're keeping him from flying out into oblivion. And I think that as I, even as I look back over Sandals Church, you know, Matt's always been the one, we're going to do this big thing. Um, and I tended to be more of the one that's like, okay, to make that happen, we need to da 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 We need to make sure we don't do this because these things might, you know. And so the way my mind works and his mind works are so differently. And I think that's the beauty that mm-hmm. the sixes bring is they, totally. they figure out how to prepare for things and get them done. And, um, you know, one, one of the things that's been so great for us in the Enneagram has been to some of the frustrations that we used to have with each other is, oh, why aren't you doing this? I totally do this. And so I we re, Matt and I just led a, a retreat for our executive team um, and some leadership at the church. And one of the things I encourage these couples to do, which is what I want to encourage everyone listening to do, is to say, okay, instead of what we were we were doing is we get frustrated with, Matt, you knew we're coming to Hawaii. Why didn't you pack your own sunscreen, lip balm, and hat, and ta- you know all the things we need? Um, I would get frustrated with him because those are the tools I kind of bring to the mm-hmm. table of like, well, you should have brought your own stuff. I brought my own stuff. I came prepared. Blah, blah, blah. And instead, though, but of thinking, at, okay, but what he brings to the table is he got us there. He dreamed to go there, which I would have been like, I'm too scared to go there. And how will it all happen? And we're going to die on the way. And um, my, my bag always makes weight. Yeah, (laughs) you know, and so instead of saying, why don't you bring the same tools to the table that I have is saying, you bring all these tools, I bring all these tools, and now we have twice as many tools instead Mm. of repeated tools. Mm, And so to really look at, um, you know, we each bring unique things to the table and then together we have more of the things. That's what all relationships have. You know, my kids bring some things to the table that I don't, but guess what? Now we have more things on the table with our styles. And so what the six brings is really important. I used to feel really um, negative about, like, I'm just afraid of everything. And Matt would say to me, just don't be scared. Well, that's ask, like asking me to hold my breath. Yeah. Because being scared is what I do. It's who I am. And part of that has has saved us from some things. Um, hey, let's slow down. Let's think what could happen. Um, and so, but I'm really, I've really through this process come to embrace the things about me that I bring to the table that are necessary. So that's, that's my answer to that. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Andrew. I don't remember what the question was, but I was thinking about how <laughs> no, sixes. We're clearly uh, not fives. I used all the words. <laughs> yeah, we focus on safety and lack of mm-hmm. risk. And you know, when you're serving God, God isn't about safe things. He's always mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. adventurous and difficult yeah. things where we need Him. He doesn't um, play it safe. Yeah, we we need to step out in faith always. And mm-hmm. so my journey has been one of feeling fear on the inside and choosing faith on the outside. And it's really mm-hmm. been a twenty year mm-hmm. journey of really understanding that and beginning to pursue things that require courage rather than just sitting in a very safe place um, Mm -hmm. where I know where everything's going to be at and I know everything's going to be safe and secure and, and really going, okay, God, what do you want to do? Mm -hmm. And, you know, even my recent move to being marriage and men's pastor was, it was not safe. Being Woodcrest campus Mm -hmm. pastor was safe. I knew how to do it. I knew how to be successful there. I knew everybody there. And, uh, 
but God had other things in mind. And so it's, yeah, just important for sixes to really step out and go, okay, God, what do you want to do? Not, not mm-hmm. what feels comfortable for me, but what do you want to do with my mm-hmm. life? And yeah, so that's been my journey. And I would say if you're a six, and I know not everybody that uh, listens to the debrief goes to Sandals Church, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. If you're sick, it's really sick. If you're six, <laughs> it's really important that you find a healthy church and a healthy pastor because what would have been very disruptive to Andrew and Becca's life would have been uh, a pastor that inflamed those fears rather than settled those. You know, mm-hmm. over the years, um, I think that they've been able to trust, follow, and 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 you know, I mean, it, it's just it's just so so important because if you're already afraid and you already don't trust people, and then you're around, especially leadership who are not trustworthy and not reliable, it's going to magnify the unhealth of the six and make you consumed by your fear rather than following your faith. And that's why we said, so, you know, I think the prayer at the end, I said, Lord, help me to follow you and not Mm -hmm. your broken leaders when they mess up or screw up. And so um, that's just really, really important in in the six. And I think it's helped Andrew here over time to really trust and follow and, and build that. And he's an amazing, amazing guy. They're an amazing power couple. But it's interesting, you know, you're a six, but you guys have adopted. Mm-hmm. Which is very scary. I mean, that's scary to totally. me. Totally, it was know, one because, of those things that God wanted me to be courageous and do. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's incredible. So, I mean, a healthy six can take courage, can have courage. It's we're maybe, supposed to be pursuing it at all, right, all right. the time. It's not as easy not as the other numbers, us. right? But here's what I think makes Andrew and Becca such amazing adoptive parents is the worst case scenarios were already played out in their minds before they ever made the decision. Whereas a lot of adoptive parents. It's the best case scenario, and then they're surprised by the difficulty. And I think that's why Andrew and Becca are such amazing, amazing parents mm-hmm. to their boys, uh, because they're in it, man. Mm-hmm. They're in it. They they baptize themselves with fear before those boys ever showed up. And so, you know, all parenting is difficult. You know, getting a child that's been developed, loved, or not loved by others for a couple of years of their life is is extraordinarily challenging and different. And so I've just been so proud of them. The same thing is true as Tammy. You know, Tammy is terrified by public speaking and um, has not wanted to do it. And I've actually kind of banned it a couple of times. I've said, we're done. He doesn't like pre, pre- I don't like pre, Tammy. pre-teaching Tammy. I'm just like, this is over. I, I don't care. People like, can go I to hell. Even. I don't care. I don't care. I'm That's not, better than yeah, living with her. I'm in hell right now. But you know, here's what people have said is, uh, and we have a lot of gifted women speakers at our church. We, we are, man, we are loaded mm-hmm. with great communicators. But I've had women that I respect and love in our church. And they've said something like this. When Tammy is herself, she's the best speaker I've ever heard. So when she can work through her fear and she's confident in who God is and the that message that she has, yeah, that you know, she she is a weapon for God. And the same thing is true, you know, for Andrew. When Andrew is feels safe and secure and confident in who he is in Christ, right? He mm-hmm. is a weapon to be reckoned with, you know. Uh, we just were in staff meeting uh, for those who are listening, and you know, we were challenged that the church is to be offensive, and that's not like you offended me, but we're not to just simply be on the defense; we're to be on the offense and moving Christ forward. And mm-hmm. sixes can do that powerfully, you know, when they're able. You think about Peter; he's a six, but he got out of the boat. Mm-hmm. He got out mm-hmm. of the boat. He denies Christ. Um, by the fire with a girl who questions him on the night of Christ's trial. But he, again, is two. It's him and John that are close. Everybody else is gone. So that six is right there. It was it was scary. Um, you know, Peter's probably a counterphobic six, which we'll get into that because he's the one who slices off the ear of the priest. So uh, when unhealthy, a counterphobic six can attack what they're afraid of. And so mm-hmm. Peter does that, right? Oh, here come the soldiers. I'm gonna help Jesus. I'll cut off his ear. And Jesus, of course, heals the ear. 
uh, because he's Christ. Mm -hmm. So I just think sixes are so, so amazing. And again, um, so many people, and that's why I'm trying to pick the characters I am because I think people are automatically gonna think threes and eights are always the leaders. And it's interesting, you know, for, uh, Saul was a four, you know, um, who did I pick for the five? My mind Nicodemus, Nicodemus. right? Clear, <laughs> clear leader. Uh, uh, Peter's the six. And this next week, you know, you're going to be blown away. And then the eight as well. Uh, and then nines, they're all in positions mm -hmm. of leadership. And so you can be anything, and, and, you know, if you're healthy and be in leadership, you can be also be in leadership and be unhealthy, but it's sure. going to be bad for you and, and everyone else. So um, one of the things you were, I, I appreciate the encouragement, by the way, it's really helpful. And I was thinking back at how much you believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. There's mm -hmm. a lot of times where I was, fearful about my own leadership. And you're like, you can do this. I believe in you. You asked me to be the Woodcrest campus pastor. I would have never selected that for myself. Um, you've encouraged me. And how me scary and, was that on our first campus it, ever? It was like, really scary. Yeah, it was, it was scary. It was hard work, but it was one of the greatest things for me because mm -hmm. I had to really trust in God. And I think it's helped me work through a lot of my insecurities because people like you have believed in me and, and even extended big responsibility that I wouldn't have thought, oh, I, I can't do that. So... Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's really important to encourage sixes, like you said, um, that you can do it. You're, you're strong enough, you're able, um, and that's been really helpful. I, yeah, for the six, one of the things that the loyalist is always doing is questioning. They question everything because uncertainty, uncertainty um, provides uh, insecurity and doesn't feel stable. And if our primary motivation is security, then we want real answers. And so by questioning everything, we question authority, but one of the things is we question ourselves mm -hmm. um, so much too. And so am I doing it right? Am I good enough? Am I, you know, so, um, but that, but the questioning when we're healthy is, is to provide security for ourselves and others and, and to get that trust because um, untrust and, and, not being safe is our biggest fear. Mm. It's what we fear the most in our fear. Mm -hmm. And so the questioning others. And so when you do, like you're saying, when you do come along and, and help us to answer our own questions, maybe about ourselves, mm -hmm. it's such a good thing for mm -hmm. the six, for the loyal person to say you are, you know, to speak the truth because truth is the most stable thing, right? Mm -hmm. Um even if it's hard, that's one of the things that people will tell me because I value truth so much. I can handle really hard truths, not because I like them, but mm -hmm. because then I, I know that I, I feel secure in understanding what the real situation that I'm dealing with is. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's one of the things is, is that speaking truth provides the security. And when you when people speak truth to us, even when it's hard, it helps us make sense and feel stable. Like, okay, mm -hmm. well, now I know what to actually deal mm -hmm. with. Um, and when you speak truth, that's the, about the beauty, like you, you can do this. I believe in you. It helps us answer those internal questions. So speaking truth and the, and speaking the positive is so important to do for the people, mm -hmm. for the sixes in your life. Okay, I want to talk about the, these internal okay. questions. Okay. You said something to, well, not to me. I think maybe I asked the question during our Enneagram training uh -huh. and it was the most helpful thing that I have heard about sixes and it's really transformed the way that I try and think mm -hmm. about who Lindy is. But you talked about what it looks like to be asking the question, where am I? And I was really uh -huh. confused on that. And you talked about how you're always asking that question. Mm -hmm. Can you can you share about that a little bit? Yeah, the, in that, per, sixes are, are usually like um, in the heart triad, which is like the twos, the threes, the fours, they want to know who am I? Mm -hmm. and And they're motivated by figuring out who am I in life. 
the for the five, the six, and even the seven, which is the thing we we are primarily motivated by thinking. We mm-hmm. think through things. We spend a little bit more time in our head than in our heart. We have to connect the two. But um, we tend to ask the questions, where am I? Mm-hmm. Um, because where am I that, you know, that's the st- stability. But we do right. that with relationally. Like, where am I to you? Am mm-hmm. I a close friend? Am I not a close friend? Um, am I someone to speak into your life, and, uh, not into your life? Because the where am I provides security of, and understanding our place in the world. It helps answer our place in the world, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't what, that, how, That's how, great. I mean, yeah. I'm learning yeah. as I'm hearing from you. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. Um, the where am I provides certainty and mm-hmm. clarity. And like I said, the, the loyal person, the six, um, truth, clarity, certainty, security is everything where we get our, our grounding from. And whenever that's off even a little bit is where we tend to start falling or dipping into mm. those broken numbers. Mm. You know, that's one of the things that so many people have been asking me um, in regards to the Enneagram in general is, oh my gosh, well, I'm a, a 99, whatever, unhealthy, everything. <laughs> and for everyone out there, I'm unhealthy in like seven of the nine styles. So that hopefully encourages everybody. But Me too, sister. Here's what I say about that brokenness. That's not where you live all the time. Mm-hmm. It's it's where you go when you feel at risk, unsafe, insecure, not mm-hmm. loved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't live there all the time. And so a lot of people have, have said, I'm so, you know, come like, oh my gosh, I got my scores and I cried. I was so upset. I'm not okay. I'm so unhealthy. Well, we're all so unhealthy sometimes mm-hmm. when we feel at risk and we're trying to figure out whatever's making us feel unsafe or when we don't feel loved. I mean, all of us, no matter what your style is, is so motivated right. to find love. And so when you don't feel loved, you're going to whatever those things are grasping for it in a way that you're not meant to. So to everybody listening no matter what your style is, you're not just the sum total of that unhealthy score. You go there sometimes mm-hmm. for sure, but that's not the sum total of who you are. And you cannot, even like for us with the six, like we cannot say we're just right. afraid. It's not who we are all the time. Mm-hmm. It's who we are sometimes. Um, but to embrace the beauty that you bring to the table, the good things, the helpful things. Um, it's one of the things I love so much about the Enneagram, which I think I probably said on the intro week was, it, it takes every style to make this big mosaic of humanity work, mm-hmm. which God clearly knew. Mm. And without the sixes, um, we would be getting to destinations and have nothing we need when we get there. Right. <laughs> right? We'd be getting to, uh, to the equator and not have our sunscreen with us. <laughs> okay, so. if, you're, if you're married to a six, if you're coworkers with a six, roommates with a six, in relationship with a six, pause right now. Just back up three and a half minutes and listen to that again. It's so <laughs> helpful. It's so helpful. Well, we got a bunch of questions from people who are in our church who are sixes or in relationship with sixes. And you actually talked about how probably the majority of people uh, would fall in that style of six. Yeah, I believe it's over 40% of right. the population that takes the test as a six. So think about that. There's nine styles and 40% of them identify as a six. So it's huge, huge. Uh, so that's why... Right, so think of America. We're the most powerful nation on earth, and we're terrified of North Korea, which has an economy uh, less than New Delaware. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, and so so to put that in context, California, New Delaware has half the population of like San Bernardino and Riverside. I mean, it's just, it's really, really, it's really small. Um, so, 
but we're terrified, right? Because this guy might fight fire fire one rocket. That's just who we are. Can and you, not that that's not scary. It's just we're dominated by, you know, we're this elephant and there's, I don't want to say a tick on the ground. There's this mouse and it's just like, just squash it. But we're ah, frightening. Right. So One of the things that's interesting, a lot of the questions, as you guys can imagine, are going to identify with maybe the, un, like the, oh, I'm afraid, this kind of mm-hmm. thing. Well, hold on a second. God has put this in people as beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And well, healthy fear is beautiful. Yeah. Let's talk. Can we yeah. talk about that really quick? Why would God say, Hey, 40% of the people, this is like the core thing that I'm going to Well, gonna Okay. So remember sin is an exaggeration or a diminishment of something. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes the seven can diminish fear and act stupid and reckless. We're going to get into that this week. So the, so the six will, um, uh, maximize or it was, uh, what is it? Diminish or exaggerate. There's the word I was looking for. So exaggerate it. And so um, it, it becomes magnified. So healthy fear is reverence. That's the word I think we're looking for. That's the godly word. Is So reverence is, so they used to call pastors reverend. We don't do that anymore. We have no reverence for anything. You know, you look in our culture, you know, if people, like, and regardless of what you think of Trump, if you're a Christian, you can't, you, you do not love God if you just randomly espouse hatred verbally towards the office of the president. That mm-hmm. is unchristian. Um, we should have reverence for God, for those in power, for those who are above us. We should appreciate those who serve and watch over us. It's just, that's just a Christian principle. You may not like it, but you probably don't like many Christian principles. Uh, so just add that to your sin list. I can think of a few. Yeah. So um, so that so the so the uh, exaggeration of reverence is fear, anxiety, uh, trepidation, right? So, but the, the the diminishment of that is right. I'll tell God what I think about him, or if God wants to send me to hell, you know, who does He think He is? Right? It's this complete blindness to I should be afraid of who God is. I love C.S. Lewis and how he writes uh, uh, in his series. Uh, what is it? His famous children book series, The Chron- Lion, Chron- the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Chronicles of Narnia. But in Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, when they encounter the lion, she's the little girl's afraid to meet the lion, and she says is he scary? And the beaver says, of course he's scary. He's a lion, but he is good. And so reverence is, yep, God's scary, but he's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, th- that's one of the confusions in our modern society. Uh, this whole an- enamor is, no, I don't know how you say it. We're enamored with mother nature. Um, mother nature is powerful. I don't believe it's a conscious, intelligent uh, thing, but we use that term mother nature. Mother nature is powerful. She is not good. She is not moral. She is not. Uh, God is powerful and God is good. And God has created the powerful nature. And again, so we, we just need to remember that. So I think that that's what God has put fear in us. And it is a pathway to understanding and appreciating who he is. Totally. Um, you know, another word for it is awe. Um, mm-hmm. Bethel has a song, may, may we never lose our sense of wonder. Mm-hmm. Like we've lost the awesomeness of God and the wonder of God and um, we're not wowed by anything. And I, I would say that's the greatest challenge facing young people today is they're not awed by anything. Everything's boring. Everything's sun. Mm-hmm. Like I watched my son. He cannot, he physically cannot just watch a movie. He watches a movie and he plays video games. Like they're, they're just not into anything. It's just, it's, it's a trip. So it's really, really hard mm-hmm. because they're, you know, constantly checking out everything else. So. Yeah. You know, you always talk about how Tammy's a truth teller and she's got like a great judge of character. Pastor Andrew, and for you, like in the, one of the darkest seasons of my life, 
we were all, re- most relationally close in our at, at that time. Right. And, you know, I'm taking steps to leave ministry and my wife with a newborn child. And you really were telling me truth and really um, reminding me of what I could hold on to and helping me see the goodness and all those things. I think it's really interesting, you know, for somebody who's listening that's a six, you're not just a six because the world is crazy and because the news right. is no, that God way. God has made you that right. way. Right, God mm-hmm. has made you this way for, I think, really to help hold people to what is good, right, and true, right? Well, that, and they have, they have a healthy fear of judgment and yeah. a healthy fear of God. Most people don't have either. Mm-hmm. And so that's why mm-hmm. a six brings that to the spiritual table of we need to get this right because ultimately, and sorry, you're not, you're Andrew, ultimately you are going to be held accountable by God. And I get that right now your marriage is rough, you know, yeah. all of those things are true. However, what's scarier than that is facing an almighty God and you just abandon your wife and child. Like that, right? Nobody gets that message anymore. Nobody hears that anymore. Everybody's like, follow your heart, follow your heart. And the six reminds us, follow almighty God because it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Like that's one of those memory verses, you know, if you're a seven, you run from, you don't you don't want that verse, but it's real and it's powerful and it's true. Um, because oftentimes in the pursuit of our happiness, we invite misery to those that love and need us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm gonna go ahead and tweet that because you missed that. <laughs> well, and I, I, I'm so thankful that God made me that way because there's a lot of seasons in my life where I didn't tank because I had that awareness right. of, yeah, mm-hmm. God's watching, he's mm-hmm. involved, he cares about what decisions I make. And right. that was just ingrained. It wasn't something I necessarily sought after. It was just something that he gave to me as a gift. Yeah, and all the numbers are a gift. And the six yes. is a gift. It's a gift that God has given you. Um, so we, we've talked about, you know, you, you and Becca, you said, so she's a, is she a higher one than six? Yeah, one than six. Okay, so if your two sixes married uh, to each other, you, ha- you remember, so... Um, most for most of us, opposites attract. But sometimes when you you know, oh, we have so much in common, right? You hear that when people are dating. That's good, but the downside of that is you have the same blind spots. So you have the same strengths, but you have the same blind spots. Right. So you're gonna have to surround yourself with some other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so diversify the numbers with which you roll with, right? And and have some other people who can see some things that you can't because. Sixes can get real unhealthy real quick if they're married together because they're literally just will pull back from the world because it is scary. And there's an example of that. I mean, when we went to adopt our first son, uh, Kingston, he was seven years old. And so it was presented to us as this option. And we're like, I don't think we can be, we're both sort of like, we can't be parents to a seven-year-old. We're not even parents yet. Mm-hmm. And we took it to you guys in small group and we're expecting everybody to be like, nah, don't do it. That's crazy. <laughs> and everybody went one by one around the circle mm-hmm. and said, yes. This is what God's calling you to do. This is what he wants you to do. And it was so, we were just so thankful mm-hmm. to have people surrounding us that would push us into risky waters and, and be willing to yeah. take that. That's just a great advertisement why you need to be in healthy community group. So mm-hmm. my favorite uh, line that night was actually by Dex. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, so Dex is our creative lead here at Sandals Church, but he said, there are very few times in a mm-hmm. person's life when you get to be the hero. Mm-hmm. And this is your time. And it was just powerful. And I remember you know, uh, you guys got to be a hero in Kingston's life. And that's just so amazing. Like, and that's who Jesus is to us, right? He's our mm-hmm. hero. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. So he's our He's our hero. And, and when we get to do those things, man, it's a big moment. And so, mm-hmm. but there were other numbers in the group that had to speak. So that's funny to me. I See, if, as a three, I would have shown up to the group assuming that everyone's gonna say, yes, it's the greatest idea because it's mine. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So one thing, real quick, uh, yeah. one thing you said was 40% of the population is a six. Now, I've had a hard time finding any other men who are sixes. Yes. I've met a lot of women who are sixes. And uh, so, men are liars. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and maybe at least as a primary, um, because 
fear isn't like a popular thing mm-hmm. to have like as a guy. You know, it doesn't make you sound really tough. Um, do you have any thoughts on that, Matt? Or do you know anything about that? Yeah, a- um, yeah, absolutely. I, so 40% are. Now, I, probably more are women than mm-hmm. not. Um, but uh, certainly I, I've, I've prayed with and counseled many men uh, after this weekend services who said, man, I'm a six, I'm a mm. six, I'm a six. And so uh, a lot of guys are sixes and, and fear is something that racks both sides of us. You know, I'm sure, uh, you know, anti-anxiety medication is probably doled out <laughs> equally between men and women because um, when you follow that rabbit down that hole, it leads to, you know, you're completely racked and wrecked by anxiety. And mm-hmm. so that's what I would ask a, a guy is not, is fear a part of your life? I would say, tell me about your anxiety. Right. Tell me about what's going on uh, with you. You know, I talked to um, a young lady this week uh, at church and she struggles deeply with OCD. If you don't know what OCD is, it's obsessive compulsive disorder. And so she was talking about that and how, uh, remember the, the, the struggle of the six is believing themselves. And so she was talking to me about her, her disease and what she's struggling with. And I said, have you always had the disease? Which I assume the answer is probably no. And it wasn't. I said, when did it occur? And she said, when my mom and dad divorced. Hmm. And what happened is her dad left the home and she was the oldest sibling and she felt fear because right the man has just stepped out and now I'm the oldest and I have all these siblings and that's when it began mm-hmm. and he, this was interesting so the six struggles believing themselves mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so here's where the OCD person uh, relates to the six so they know they've locked the door they know they have but they don't trust themselves so they get up and they check over and over and over again because they don't believe that they did it right. Mm. And so, right, they, they're, and that's not in all cases, but that was her issue, locking the doors, mm-hmm. making the, sure the doors are locked, making sure everything's right done right. Well, she, she had an exaggerated pressure to keep things safe. Right. Mm-hmm. At an age when that should not have been a role, it mm-hmm. should have been her dad's, which who, by the way, was a, called himself a Christian, right? And it's, it's just tragic when Christian men and women do things contrary to their faith. It wrecks your kids. And divorce always wrecks your kids. Uh, and, and I'm not saying everybody's, you know, it's not your fault, but it does wreck your kids. And it certainly isn't their fault. So I, so I encouraged her, um, you know, counseling is focused on, you know, the OCD and, and giving medication to limit that. I said, go back to your counselor and talk about the wound. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm not promising that your OCD will go away, but I do believe that it will get better as you begin to address that hurt. And it's not right for you to have to be in charge. That's not right. You should have been in high school having fun. You are not the protector of your family. And so for anyone out there who's suffering, um, here's what I would encourage you to do. Try to find the wound. Where did the hurt come from? Where, where is that hurt? And as you begin to heal that, uh, the exaggeration of your sin, of your struggle. And remember, we all have the core sin. So the core sin of the six is going to diminish. The core sin of lust, mm-hmm. the core sin of fear, the core sin of pride. It's going to diminish as you begin to work on that wound. Mm-hmm. But until you do, man, you can cover the pile of crap with all kinds of incense, but man, it still stinks. And so you've got to get at that wound. Um, and uh, you know, and that's not to say that every disease or every problem can be signed by addressing that. But I'm saying this, a lot of our problems can be helped when we pursue healing. And so we talked mm-hmm. about that, you know, um, do the work. We talked about that over and over again this week. Do the work. This is hard, but do the work. The Lord your God is with you. Be courageous. Do the work. Man, this is scary. Do the work. And so don't be afraid to do the work. And so a lot of us, right, well, this isn't working. And, uh, you know, when I was really, really, I think, losing it in my mid-30s with anxiety, depression, and overwhelmed with fear, I was looking for the instantaneous healing. 
I'm gonna go forward, I'm gonna pray once at church, everybody's gonna anoint me with oil. The problem was I had to deal with my wounds. And once I began to address those wounds, my struggle and my anxiety began to diminish. But you've gotta go back to that wound and do that work rather than looking for the quick fix. So I'm all for medicine, I'm all for medication, but do the work uh, to try to deal with your anxiety, to try to deal with your depression, to try to deal with whatever it is that you're facing, do your part and, and, and ask God to do his part. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's get a question from Nick, who identifies as a six. So this is Sweet. perfect for you. Yes, What's up, dude? question about loyalty. He says, I'm a six all the way to the core. And I'll be honest, I was a little afraid to hear the sermon. <laughs> <laughs> Throughout awesome. my life, Same. I've been lied to time again. I've been cheated on multiple times. And there are points where I feel like trusting others and being loyal is more of a burden than a gift. My question is, how do I hold on to that loyalty when it seems to harm me? How do I honor God? How do I honor the gift God has given me in the times when it feels like it hurts? more than it helps. Yeah, so mm-hmm. let's go back to, I've been cheated on multiple times. So that's something you can control. Your selection process is broken. Mm-hmm. So how long have we been together, Tammy? 24 years? Yes. Have you ever cheated on me? Five. No. Okay, there we go. Wow. So one and done. One and done. No, man, like, she's uh, afraid to cheat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well. Exactly. <laughs> oh, cool. her, her seven score is in the negative. So, uh, <laughs> so, so here, here, here's what I, I would say that. is, see, people, people are upset with the life that they have Who's living the life that you're upset with? It's you. That's why Luke uh, 7, 23 is so important. If any man or woman would come after me, let them deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow me. The best way to change your life is to die to yourself and give to Jesus. So Nick, what are you doing that is drawn to unhealthy people that are drawn to broken situations? And here's the thing I see over and over again. As Christians, we're called to ministry. We're not called to date ministry or mm-hmm. marriage or marry ministry. Mm-hmm. And and I see this all the time. Good, good people that marry very, very broken people. And man, it's okay to love people from a distance, pray for them. You don't need to marry them. You don't need to get in bed with them. You need to let them get with Jesus. And that's where they're going to uh, heal. A lot of people have a savior complex. You're not the savior, Jesus is. So mm-hmm. step back. And, and that's what I would say. So he said, so he's been cheated on. So I would say, Go to counseling and let's work on that. Let's work on that right there on what it is that you're picking because you're selecting from a group and Nick's a guy. Most women are are pretty faithful. So you're, you, you've got a better chance of finding a faithful woman than you do as a woman finding a faithful guy. So you are extraordinarily drawn to women. Mm-hmm. Well, and, oh, go ahead. Well, yeah. I was just going to say, Nick, um, you know, sometimes our fear keeps us from believing that God has great plans for us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and keeps us from believing that God would have someone out there for you that's really great, you know? And so we're willing to settle for mm, people that are, okay. are are not at that level because we're afraid maybe we're not good enough. Maybe they wouldn't love me if they were that great. And a lot of the people I dated, um, you know, I, I was sort of being the hero, the savior. Mm-hmm. I didn't pursue mm-hmm. them. They pursued me because they were needy and I liked that. Um, some of my tunis came out in mm-hmm. that. And Becca, man, she was way out of my league. And I pursued her and God what had great was? plans. Is is <laughs> way outpunted my coverage is what <laughs> yes. uh, people have said. So Tammy doesn't no understand your football means. term. <laughs> yeah, it's a sports analogy. She's you way better than sister. me is what okay. I'm saying. But um just trusting that God had a great thing for me and she's amazing. And so to not give up um, because your loyalty is a gift and there's some great woman out there who's going to benefit from that if you're willing to wait and and really find someone who has that quality. Yeah, and um, some people don't appreciate loyalty. They take advantage of it. Yep. Well, that's what I was going to say is for so many years for me, I was so hyper-focused on being loyal and I believed that my loyalty would be enough to make some like make someone else be loyal 
instead of loyalty is about who you are. I mean, I just got to teach on this and cultivate um, that the loyalty of another person doesn't determine our lovability. Mm-hmm. And for so many years when I, thank you, when I <laughs> was, um, I would fix it. You know, when we first took the Enneagram, Matt and I both thought I would be a two. And here's what I learned. I behaved like a two. Like I'm going to do everything for you to get your loyalty mm-hmm. because I value loyalty so much. So I was actually the one that was all out of sync in what I was looking for in friendships um, it was very self-serving and I've grown into a place where I'm really, um, I've really, I, I enter a lot slower now and I look for loyalty that already exists mm. outside of what I do for them. Mm. And I think that um, when in our brokenness, we're so afraid that we're not enough, that we're not asking, are they enough? on the front end, if that makes sense. So I used to say like, I'm always so afraid people don't like me that I forget to ask myself, do I like them? Hmm. And then... Oh, Boom. believe me, we've had, I'm, we've had, I'm identifying we've had that hours everything. and hours talking about this um, one. I'm like, I'm like, that person's an idiot. Why yeah, are you but, this? But, but stuff, I Tim. get so afraid that I'm not living up that. Um, and so that's what I would say for him is to enter a little slower because what he's trying to do is prove he's enough, prove he's worthy, prove he's so good because he's afraid he's not, that, than to believe that he is and trust that he is, move slower and look for someone who's loyal because that's who they are. It's not about you. Yeah. Because that's what we want is loyalty is who we, we choose to be. Now, after I taught that, a lot of women at Cultivate were like, you know what? I'm in this really abusive relationship, but you're right. I'm staying in it because I'm loyal. I'm like, uh, that is actually not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is we don't determine that we're loyal or not based on other people. We need to be loyal. We don't need to be ridiculous and have no boundaries and be abused. What well, you know, we don't live by, well, you were unloyal, so now I'm unloyal too. Like we need to be loyal because that's who we're meant to be. And we need to be looking for people who have that same quality, not hoping that if we're just good enough, then they'll be it, which is what I did for years. And when it didn't go right, I was devastated. And so um, so we need to move a little slower, Nick. Move a little slower. Yeah. Look for the qualities of someone who's loyal before you start moving in. <laughs> Yeah, and let me just say this, Nick. If you're if you if you're doubting who you are, what you're going to do is not be yourself in the dating mm-hmm. process, mm-hmm. and so you're going to fool both yourself and the person you're dating because they're going they're, they're going to fall in love with something you're not, and then eventually they're mm-hmm. going to go, oh, this is not who I thought you were. Sorry, and, Lindy. And so the, so they're out of there. <laughs> so you have to you have to be real on the mm-hmm. front end so that you can experience the blessings of loyalty on the back end. And so that's the problem with so much of dating today is we're all fake. And then we wonder why we're like, how did this happen? Well, you're fake. I was fake. We both got married. Um, you know, you can only moving. keep that up for so yeah, long. At some point you have to be real. You're going to be you. Nobody can fake it forever. So, okay. Ask, there was some more good stuff in there. No, that was good. Uh, let me ask you this question about being courageous from Alex. He said, for, the mo- for most of my life, I saw myself as a failure and of no value, and I've always struggled believing that I have talent and skills, and that, um, uh, so, so I think that that proved me right. I can now see my life has been ruled by fear and anxiety, and that I am gifted by God. My problem is that I'm continually drowning myself in a woulda, coulda, shoulda of my past. How do I deal with regret and choose courage in the future? Mm. Mm. Yeah, so, man, you got to bury the past at some point. Uh, it will haunt you. I play woulda, coulda, shoulda. That's my favorite game. Um, it just, all that does is it destroys the present and robs mm-hmm. you of the future. So you just have to 
Look at your past, be honest about it, learn what you can and move forward. The Apostle Paul says, there's one thing I do, I forget what lies behind and I press onward towards mm -hmm. the goal that is in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul had a lot of regrets, had made a lot of mistakes. So you are talented. We are all talented, but we are not all equally talented. That is one of the great lies of American culture. We are not all equally talented. And so one of the reasons we become miserable is instead of being grateful for the talent we receive, we envy the talent that God has given someone else. So what you need to do is you need to be thankful for the talent you've received and be a faithful steward of the level that he's given you. You know, we had a speaker today um, uh, at our staff meeting and he said something that was just so important. And, I, and I, you're gonna hear me say this over and over again because I'll never forget it. He said, the kingdom we serve is greater than the role we play. Mm. Mm. And so the problem is we always wanna be the star of the great kingdom, but the reality is the kingdom's bigger than me. Mm -hmm. And so, I, man, what I've gotta do is serve the big kingdom. And when I do that, I'm going to experience the life I've always wanted. I need, to, I need to serve Jesus, not the role. And I think that that's so, so important, especially as we grow as a church at Sandals, as people lose power, preference, and prestige, they get upset, they go to another church. When what's happening is their role is diminishing, but the kingdom is increasing. Mm -hmm. And so when, when you become more concerned with your role, you're losing sight of the kingdom. So, so what I would just say is well, you are gifted, we, but the problem is nowadays is we instantaneously can compare ourselves um, you know, so think about if I would have preached a uh, hundred years ago, I'd have been the greatest preacher I ever heard. <laughs> he has to say that. Do you know three. why? <laughs> because where, how are you going to hear another preacher? Right. You, can, <laughs> you could read their sermons in the paper, but you couldn't hear them. You know, like my favorite speaker of all time is Abraham Lincoln. And apparently he was terrible, <laughs> but he wrote well, <laughs> mm -hmm. and so we read his speeches and we're like, oh my gosh, that's why he was so good at writing them because he stunk at mm. speaking them. So so just be, just say, God, I know you have a role for me and I know that you've gifted me to serve in that role and trust God, trust God's wisdom and, ju and just know that. And I believe you will experience great life. You know, I, 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 when I turned 40, how old are you? 38. 38, so when I was two years mm. older than Andrew, almost a decade ago, <laughs> I had to bury what I thought my life would be. I literally just said, God, man, my life did not turn out the way that I thought it would. And uh, I just was so frustrated with my career. And when I buried it, that's when God blessed it. Mm. And that is the secret to success. Bury your desires and God will bless the new ones. I I'll go, go I'll go, sorry, <laughs> Andrew and I, yeah. um, I, is it Alec? Mm -hmm. Alex. Alex, um, I can identify so much with regret. I can look back and see so many opportunities that I did not do because I was afraid I wouldn't do them well. One thing I think sixes struggle with is um, being afraid to be a beginner at something or not be the best at it because we don't, we're just afraid because we're afraid of everything. But um, I now try to use that regret because I have so much regret. I use it as my motivator. I, I, I've kind of made it work for me of when I'm on the edge of saying no to something to, to remember the regret that I have from saying no to so many things in the past that I wish I would have said mm. yes to or that I missed out on. And so to, to just moving forward, let that regret be a minder mm. to pursue the courage to, to do the things um, that, that come up for them because um, they can you know, it, it will empower him. It can empower him now. Right. So I, I think, Alex, the courage is not the absence of fear. It's pressing on in the midst mm -hmm. of fear. And so, you know, the verse Matt said is forgetting the past and then pressing on. You have to move forward 
otherwise uh, you get stuck in your head and you get stuck in all the what ifs and all that, but you actually have to do something and it's just moving forward because God will meet you in that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not always fixed before you take that step forward, which is what we typically want is the safety of, well, I wanna see the path ahead and like anything in faith, we have to take those steps first right. and then God meets you on the yeah. path. Okay, I got two questions that are both pretty tough and they're similar. I'm gonna group them together um, because I think we can speak to So you're to gonna take a hard, two hard conversations and make them one really hard conversation. What I'm saying is I believe in all three of you. Mm. We got PMB, <laughs> we got Pastor Andrew the Ox, and then the legend T. Breezy in the house. Here it comes. Uh, this, the first one was from MJ. These are both a little long, but they're, I'm just gonna hit, I'm gonna hit, hit you with them. In all honesty, I was very disappointed to discover that I was a sick. I feel as though Same. I am forever scarred by my upbringing. How much does your family of origin influence your results, uh. specifically as a six? As a kid, I suffered greatly at the hands of the adults in my life who were mm. supposed to care for me. I've worked very hard in years of counseling to be more than my beginning, but life has taught me that some people are not trustworthy. This next one came in anonymously. I feel like I value safety because I grew up in a very broken home filled with neglect, abuse, and addiction. As a little girl, I had to learn to be resilient and defend for myself. Mm-hmm. I've worked so hard in years of counseling to rise above my beginning and not let it hamper my present and future. I guess my question is, did God create me as a six or did I become a six out of self-preservation? So two very yeah. similar questions, yeah, so the a answer, lot of wounding. Yeah, the answer is easy to both questions. You were a six. Now, yes. what, you, what you've done, regardless of what happened to you in, in childhood, because Andrew does not have that story. Now, mm-hmm. he, you know, just like Andrew was influenced by the worry of his mother, they have been influenced by their family of origin, and they've had to adapt as sixes. And so their fear uh, that's healthy, reverence, right, holiness, awe, that has moved into an aggressive, uh, exaggerated state because of their childhood. And then, so they've had to adapt to not trust people, not believe people, and so, yes, your upbringing has severely affected um, what I would say is your scores uh, uh, if, mm. you, if you take the test. And so your scores are going to show the abuse, show mm-hmm. the unhealth. That's where that's going to be revealed. But again, that's why I picked the Apostle Peter. He's the most important disciple Jesus makes, and he's a six. And we need to celebrate in that, and we need to rejoice in that. Um, Peter is great, absolutely incredible, even though his core struggle is fear. And so God can use any of the numbers to do great things because he's God. That's just the reality. And so I just would encourage all of you, don't be embarrassed or ashamed by any of your scores. They're absolutely mm-hmm. beautiful, amazing things. Uh, not your scores, but your numbers. And your your scores are just telling you the way that you see yourself right now. And we're going to try to change that and change the way you behave as you grow up in Christ. So my heart goes out to both of you. Those are just you know, just sad, sad tales of the brokenness and the selfishness of parents. And unfortunately, that has tragic, tragic uh, um, implications for kids. I, I would say um, I actually identify with those stories, uh, both of those situations so much, which I think is why um, my unhealthy scores are so exaggerated. I'm, a, I'm like 99 Mm-hmm. Point nine healthy and unhealthy. Um, I did have a pretty chaotic, traumatic childhood um, in a similar fashion, which, you know, all of us, no matter what your style, when you're young, 
you're having to figure out how to be safe, secure, loved Mm -hmm. without even consciously thinking that. We're all developing strategies for how to figure that out. So I I think that, yes, you probably would still be a six. What's happening is the broken parts of the six have become your primary strategy Mm -hmm. of just focusing on everything that Mm -hmm. can go wrong because a lot has gone wrong. And you saw from a really early age, you, you were awakened, the door opened, saw behind the curtain, if you will, all the things that could go wrong, and they did. Um, and so that's kind of your skew. What I would recommend to do at this point, um, and it's one of the things that's really been helping me because that was me, is just to say, but I'm. that's not all I am. Like, yes, a lot can go wrong, but what can go right? Mm. Um, I do keep this chalkboard. Matt kind of mentioned it this weekend in the message, but I keep this chalkboard in our house that says, so far you've survived 100% of your bad days. And I think that's true. I've had some really bad days and I've survived them. I've had to figure out some strategies for when I was young to survive them. Some of those were keeping people out, not trusting people. However, one of the things that's helping me get healthier is to realize that the strategies I had then to keep people out, to always preserve myself and keep myself safe is actually now as a 40, mid 40 year old, um, it's actually not protecting me. It's it's harming me because mm. I'm keeping people out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of those strategies need to be left where they were. They helped you then. They're not helping you now. And so th- you don't you needed them them. You were in chaos. You don't need them now. Right. And so that's one of the the ways to the health. But to also begin to embrace of you know all of that aside, what it what are the beautiful parts of this that God's given me? Because you're there are things you're doing you're not even thinking about doing. Mm-hmm. Um, how how do you do that? How how are you an advocate for um, seeing things that are at risk and and being a good planner and protector and all of those kind of things? So, you know, to to not just cling to the broken parts of of the six, but to to start to press into the beauty, and then also to look at some of your other high scores mm-hmm. on there, um, healthy scores, yeah. because you're not just a six. I mean, we're primarily a six, but you have some other beautiful things too. So to to um, to look at yourself as more than just that and, and to ask yourself what could go right instead of always what could go wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it's redefining where you find security. Mm-hmm. You know, security isn't found in ourselves, you know, so we, we don't become these fully realized people that now we've found security in myself, we've always find it in Christ, you know? And so he's the only secure thing in this broken, messed up world. And so, you know, bringing all those broken pieces to him is where you gain security over time and bringing that to community and experiencing Mm -hmm. safe people that will love you for Mm -hmm. who you are and Mm. and provide some of that uh, stability that you lacked in childhood will be an example of who God is because they're displaying his love Mm -hmm. and, and grace and kindness. I, I, um, you just made me think of this, but I've actually had to figure out like thinking processes for myself to deal with the fear that I have. And, um, it used to be like seven steps to we're all going to die. Like, Mm -hmm. well, if this goes wrong, then this goes wrong, then this goes wrong, and then this goes wrong. And, um, I've, I've had to work through that so much to like, well, what if we do fly to, Australia and the plane crashes. Mm. I mean, because it, I was like, oh, that's a long fly. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. Had I said no, I would have never got to have one of the best experiences of my life with my family. Mm. But I had to get through the, okay, so what if I do die? Then I'm in the presence of God. 
And so like my worst case scenario still ends up in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Then I get on that plane and I go, you know, mm-hmm. so to, like you said, we don't find our security in ourselves. My, uh, most of our worst case scenario is like dying or death. <laughs> is that just me? No, just yeah. all of us sixes, sixes, you know, you know, our what if is still such a great answer. We're in the presence of God, if even if that happens. So just constantly bringing that back to God. So that's why yeah. I love you said what that. What Tammy said, you know, about the strategies as a child were successful, but they can now keep you from from true success. And yeah. that's just so important. So just understand that, you know, times have changed and, and, and the people that you needed to be the most safe in your life early on were not. But I can tell you, most people are safe. That's just the reality. Like we live in this world where we think, you know, we're all going to get kidnapped and, you know, my wife especially, um, right? It's going to happen at any moment. (laughs) But the reality is that just doesn't happen that often. That's why it's in the news. Um, So we have to establish new relationships. And I think about three women and specifically, sorry, Andrew, I don't have a good example for a guy who's a six, but three women who've experienced, you know, great suffering. And, you know, one of them uh, had a, uh, an unwanted sexual encounter with a pastor and uh, so we've had to build safe relationships together. Uh, we actually work together now. And so, right, not all pastors are pervs. That's just the reality. Matter of fact, the vast majority of them are not. I think about uh, another uh, good friend of Tammy and ours uh, uh, and mine uh, who was, you know, sex trafficked at the mm-hmm. age of 12. You know, so the people that were supposed to keep her safe, supposed to love her, you know, on her 12th birthday, you know, she became a prostitute for her, her mom and uh, the man in her life's prophet. Right, so I think about another person, uh, a friend of mine that we actually all know whose uh, father was in a cult, a sexual cult, and, and used his daughter for their sexual rituals. And, and I think about all of that. And I remember specifically one day in group when we were all, we were no longer in group together, the three of us, not me and you, Priority, but the three of us were in group together. And one of the gals who was abused introduced me to her son and she said, this is Pastor Matt and he is safe. Mm. And it's important to be declarative. It's important to rightly label safe people and to be able to discern who that is and so uh, and to be around them and not leave them. That's where your loyalty, when you find a safe person and you find a safe leader, never leave them because not all leaders are safe. I wish they were. Um, not, all leadership, not, not all leaders are in it for the benefit of others. Oftentimes it's to mask their own brokenness. And so find those people that you can trust, that are real, that are safe. And the way that you discover who is safe is by interactions with people over time. Don't instantaneously trust someone because of their position. Trust them over time. Watch them over time. How have they handled things? What have they done? Like that's the best way to find someone that is safe. And that's so important as a six is that you have safe, secure people in your life that speak the truth. And again, that's how we love sixes is we're secure, we're safe, and we speak the truth. One of the things about a six that I think is so important to say is the six is like the loyalist or the loyal person. Um, more often than not, I think sixes, because we value loyalty so much, we um, we naturally tend to be loyal to other people um, that we need to be as loyal to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so even to some of those questions of, um, you know, like I, people have let me down or they weren't, they weren't loyal to me when I was loyal to them. Part of being loyal to yourself, that's what that looks like is saying, I value me and I'm worth it and I deserve it. And I don't, you know, not surrounding yourself with people who are just unstable all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. Um, who, you know, 
uh, our coaches actually had told us like, Tammy, you cannot be close friends. Not that you can't be friends. Your closest people have to be people living fully awake. Mm -hmm. And what they meant by that is people that can be real with their stuff, people that you can be real with your stuff, people that um, can can just be real because those are the safest for you. When people lie, it makes everything for me feel unstable. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but part of being loyal to myself is making those hard decisions of like, okay, this person just always feels unsafe for me. Instead of me killing myself to be Mm -hmm. loyal to them, Mm to have good boundaries there because it's also important for me. Otherwise I'm a hot mess all the time Mm -hmm. when everyone around me is unstable, then I just tank. Mm. So the loyalty needs to be something you are to others, but not that you, you don't ever have for yourself. Yeah. That's good. I want to ask you about your relationship with God as a six, but I've got one last question here. One of the things I sense kind of in all of these questions is a theme. And then even in my experience with people who would probably identify as sixes, is, is a little bit of a struggle to give grace to your own self. You know, like oh, those yeah. last two questions, mm-hmm. I was thinking, hey, you picked up those tools when uh, of being a six, like in ways that you had to be proactive when you were a kid and you didn't understand how these things were going on. You got to mm-hmm. give yourself some grace from that. Yeah. How, how do you guys cultivate or, or just, yeah, give grace to your own self for who you are? Yeah, um, it, it was a journey. Uh, I think it, it took me a long time, even coming to Sandals in my early 20s, I didn't really know how to do that. I'd never deeply experienced the grace of God um, mm. because I always feared I was messing up, that mm. I wasn't maybe good enough and um, that God was really disappointed uh, with me mm. deep down. And so mm-hmm. understanding how deep the love of God goes, how powerful the cross was, uh, really helped me as I meditated on those things and really dove deep into them to know that that, mm. that grace is available for even me. You know. Um, and, and hearing the stories of people who have lived broken lives and experienced God's grace really helped me to go, yeah, I'm just as broken and I need that same kind of grace. Even though I try and protect myself from uh, you know, all those bad situations, like I desperately need God's grace. And um, one of the things that helped me um, early on, I heard a message where they talked about uh, not receiving God's grace as the sin of unbelief. Mm. And I'd never heard it put mm. that way before, um, that I was sinning and not believing that God could um, have grace for me. And you were afraid of that sin, so you... Uh, <laughs> right, yeah. That's good. Uh, yeah, I, I love that. Um, so much of that is true for me. I think the language I would use is a, a tiny bit different, but I've just always afraid that I'm just a disappointment to God Mm. and having to proactively remind myself that he's for me Mm -hmm. and not against me, Um, that he sees not just my flaws, but he sees the beauty in me too, because, you know, we're afraid that we're doing it all wrong and we're never good. And we're afraid we're never good enough. We're never getting it right. We're never enough. Um, The fear of that is so much, but to remember that grace and that, you know, he made us and right. he loves us. Mm-hmm. He, and um, the fear of, of just let, like the punishment or the risk of getting it wrong to not let that outweigh the grace. Yeah, when there's a scripture that says, perfect love casts out all mm-hmm. fear. I think you shared it this mm-hmm. weekend. And um, I experienced the same thing, Tammy. I, I remember being unsettled in my faith several times over the years. And when I'd sit down and pray and finally discover what it was is I was not believing the love of God. Mm -hmm. I wasn't receiving Mm -hmm. it from him. And once I did, the fear would go. I I Mm -hmm. wouldn't feel afraid of the consequences or um, maybe God doesn't love me enough, but it it really settled me. And so, yeah, just an ongoing Mm -hmm. process. Mm -hmm. 
you know, something Lindy did this, she's been been doing more and more of, and she actually did, even on Sunday afternoon, when we were kind of having this relational disconnect, she actually like stopped and said, hey, I'm afraid of this, if this is going to happen, and all those other things. And her just communicating in that moment really forced me to pause, like take a record of where she was, get down on my knees mm. so that I could like really try and talk to her. But then also when she pushed into what she was afraid of, allowed me to come alongside mm -hmm. and celebrate and say, hey, I see that as courage. And I would have been 100% blind to that um, as mm. her husband if she didn't tell me. So one of the things, you know, I love how you guys have been really honest and open about that. Hopefully other sixes that are listening can learn from mm -hmm. Tammy and Andrew, like the, their willingness to accept this is who I am. The beauty and brokenness has been... Um, I think is empowering you to communicate that in relationships, which allows the rest of us mm -hmm. who don't think that way mm -hmm. um, to see and celebrate you. So really quick, last question. How does, uh, what does it look like being real with God as a six? Struggles, challenges, beauty, all that stuff. Any thoughts? Yeah, that I don't have to be afraid. I mean, Tammy kind of alluded mm -hmm. to it, that, that God is for us mm -hmm. and that, that idea is really hard to believe when you're afraid you're not good enough or you're afraid God mm -hmm. doesn't love you. Um, uh, afraid that mm -hmm. um, he's going to leave you hanging in oh, your yeah. worst moment. Oh my gosh. Um, yes. And learning <laughs> the character of God through scripture, through the experience mm -hmm. of safe, great people. It's really helped me to just receive that, man, God's with me. He's for me. Mm -hmm. He wants great things for me and I don't have to be afraid. And like Tammy said, the worst that can happen is I die and go to heaven, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> literally, and I, I've, I've actually, I identified with that. I've had that thought many times. I've chased the rabbit down the hole and gone, what, what's the worst that can happen? Mm -hmm. You know, if everything goes wrong that I think can go wrong, mm -hmm. it's not the worst thing ever. Yeah. Um, and so just coming to rest in that, knowing that God's a good God. Mm -hmm. um, he, he cares for his people and he knows mm -hmm. how to do that well, uh, way better than we can. Yeah, I would say that same thing of just trusting God. I mean, uh, the loyalist style, the sixth style values truth and trust. So there's so much weight put on that. And so trusting that God is who he says he is, uh, trusting that his word is good, trusting that his ways are good. Amen. I mean, that the at-risk assessment, if you will, um, is so funny to me when I— I look at people that are just like going crazy, like doing all the things or whatever, or or when they make the argument to me of, well, God's just keeping you from like everything fun. And that that's just not even how my brain works. I'm like, no, he's keeping us safe mm -hmm. from all the bad things mm -hmm. like that could happen to us. And so um just the the trusting God that he that he is good is is the best way to be to be real with him and valuing his truth. Um, that it's good for us and that it is because our safety um, and our security is, is at, he has our best interest at mm -hmm. heart when it comes to that. So, yeah. And that's huge. I remember um, just being excited to learn why God said the things that he did, mm -hmm. because like he said, he, he has our best interest in mind. He tells us to not have sex before we're married because he knows it's better for us. Yeah. That yeah. Sex will not be better he's later. Trying to keep us yeah. from like all the great sex everywhere we could be having. Right. And all throughout the old Testament, even a lot of the, the dietary laws he put on the Jews were for their health. And I mean, everything God does is for our benefit. And yet we think he's trying to restrict us. And, so. and he, he's already done the at-risk assessment for us. Right. Ooh, that's know? good. Ring that thing. Mm. <laughs> bad, bad shrimp, dude. It's taking out a lot of people. 
Okay, right, wait, wait, hold on, real quick. I just feel like Tammy needs to end the show with a slight confession about how she asked me in the Pacific Ocean to leave her for dead. I Go ahead. lost my mind that day. That was so great. <laughs> and I did say, just leave me. Just go. Just go. My, my wife told I, me to leave her to die in the Pacific oh Ocean. You're that would be horrible for you. If, <laughs> I lost my mind. I, You're like yeah. basically the opposite of the, that girl in Titanic. I'll never let go, Jack. You just like let, let me go, go, Jack. Let me go, Jack. Jack, save yourself. Dude, I, fear, fear is a real thing, man. It, yeah. it, man, I was like. But you know what? I'll say this: like, just understanding it has actually made Matt and I's relationship so much better because he he doesn't live by the what if, and he has very little fear of anything except failing. And so him, he used which, to just... Which leaving your wife for dead is a failure. But even in our marriage, it's been so helpful for him to go like telling me just, just stop being afraid. Just calm down. Just don't worry. Just whatever. It's like asking me to hold my breath indefinitely. And it just doesn't work. So now we talk through the fears or he helps take some of the risk on for him, you know, um, or even just being able to speak it. Like it's become kind of funny how much now I will say like, watch me to my car. Cause I'm going to, be, yeah, and be, I, so I just walk her to her car because she's gonna get, she's gonna get like, raped in the church parking lot. So it could happen. <laughs> yeah, um, and let me just say this: is uh, yeah. you know, I, I think in a lot of marriages, and I know I did this early on. I would say you're being ridiculous, and the truth is, we're all ridiculous yeah. in different ways. Yeah, and <laughs> I would you say that convicted? I, I would oh say that to Matt Justin so Party's many times. Ready to give his life you to know, Christ. when he was <laughs> like. Our church isn't good. I that sucked. I'm like, you're ridiculous. Yeah. You know, saying you're ridiculous to someone's style is ridiculous. <laughs> um, we all have them and have have the different ways that we're motivated and the different things we're afraid of. And, you know, everyone matters and telling someone not to be who they are um is like asking mm-hmm. them to hold their breath. And that's that's why I want everyone for every style to think is to stop to stop wishing you weren't what you are. Instead, embrace the beauty that you bring to the mosaic of humanity and work on the brokenness so you're not spending as much time there um, and that that's not what you're bringing to the table because it's not good for you. To pursue being the healthiest version of, of yourself is what I want for people through the Enneagram and, and for myself. You guys are awesome. Thank you for being on the show. My favorite moment of this whole show, I don't think anyone will have noticed it, but I have a great view of both you guys. And about 20 minutes ago, you know that helicopter that flew by? Pretty? Did you guys hear that? Mm-hmm. It, oh, this mm-hmm. helicopter flew by? Your guys' bodies noticed it because I saw both of you. The helicopter sound flew by and you both, both your eyes were like- They were like, we're going to die. Yeah, you scanned the I room. didn't hear it. I oh, mean, no, I didn't know what it was, but I just heard something. Your lizard brain so like, heard uh, it. And uh, you're uh, like, Kim Jong-un <laughs> couldn't get a rocket to work. And they're <laughs> dropping the bomb with a helicopter. It was awesome. 